0: Growing up, Cody Chun was a typical Seattle teenager and everyone expected him to head to college after high school. Cody instead chose to forge his own path into the world of professional wrestling. Unbeknownst to his family, he would sneak off to wrestling school in nearby Everett to hone his craft. Cody's family has since warmed up to the idea and he proudly represents his ancestral homeland in the ring by wearing an Anchor Wat emblem. It was the image of that famous temple that would catch the eye of some Cambodian wrestling fans. From Long Beach to Lowell, Phnom Penh to Paris, Cody's performance in the ring became the talk of Khmer people around the world. John and co talked to Cody about what it takes to make it in the sport that requires both athletics and acting, as well as what it means to represent a people that have endured so much each time you step in the ring. Welcome, everybody, to the C4 Podcast. This is your host, John Messina. As always, I'm joined by Mr. Ko Chandika. Ko, how you doing today?
1: Hey, good, good. Glad to see both you guys.
0: Yeah, we so. have a we have an incredible guest today, Mr. Cody Chun, joining us all the way from Seattle. Um, Cody is a participant in a sport, professional wrestling, that I know is near and dear to Ko's heart. He'll tell you all about that when, uh, when he comes on and introduces Cody. But Ko and I both grew up in a time when professional wrestling kind of got a start and was big and you know the folks like Hulk Hogan um, all, all those guys back in the day if we'd watch the Friday Night Main event WWF WWE all that so Cody we're really excited to kind of take a step back in time a little bit and and for me I, I haven't watched it in a while just learn what's going on and get to know you as as well so Co anything else
1: yeah hi welcome my name is Coach Handeka the other Co-host of C4 podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, wrestling was huge coming to America. We didn't speak, we, we didn't understand the language, so wrestling was like a whole family event, right? My mom and dad, brothers, oh. sisters, we all gather around and watch because we we can understand. You know, we can understand bad guy, good guy, comedy. So. Uh, and we thought it was real <laughs> we did yeah. and my mom my mom would get mad if the bad guy yeah. won you know my mom would get so pissed you know and I was just like man this is... but you know then later on you find out it, it's scripted and all that stuff but I was you know already a fan and I, I loved it um and, you know I love the guys with the great physiques like uh because again I was a bodybuilder so Kerry Von Erich was like my favorite, and I'm I'm just, you know, what what a tragic ending for him and, and you know some of his family, but mm-hmm. he had that look, man. He had the long hair, the physique. We like Hercules, you know, yeah. then ultimate warrior. And of course Hulk Hogan, and you know, and then you know late '90s was The Rock and Cena. I think Cena came on a little bit after, but Undertaker. But yeah, I, I almost I loved it so much. Like I wanted. I almost went to a wrestling school in Minnesota. I, I had the offer oh. to go up, uh, work with a guy. He was gonna train me. He was gonna give me a place to stay. And mm-hmm. of course, like in a lot of things, just kind of it fell through. And then I ended up uh, ended up saying, you know what, I'm gonna make my move to California and focus on on my career as a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. So that that's my thing. But Cody, we don't see too many Asian, you know, professional wrestlers. I mean, you, you see a lot from Japan, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that's big there, but it's like from Southeast Asia, from Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very rare. So, uh, tell us about tell us about your family coming over. Do you remember much? Did they tell you a lot? Because you you were born in the states, right?
2: Yeah, I was born and raised in here in Seattle, Washington. So I've been here my yeah. whole life. Gotcha.
1: yeah tell tell us about like uh what your family told you about how how the old country was they they tell you stories about how it was and all
2: that yeah they always tell me stories uh when i was younger like i know my dad came from the city side okay i'm not i'm not like not sure what exact city but then my mom came from the countryside but i know like um because usually like whenever we talk about like the Khmer Genocide and Khmer Rouge and all that. I usually I usually don't like to hear about it because, like, when I was younger, I would just listen to those, and, I, like, I was like, dang, that sounds pretty rough, and that sounds pretty scary to go through.
1: Yeah. yeah. But,
2: uh, like, growing up, because we... I always lived in Seattle, but then... I, I always had a lot of family here in Washington, which I was really thankful for. Um, But I still have my mom and dad to this day, like, very thankful for that. But, mm. like, a lot of the stories... Like, and then they went, they went to Cambodia and like, maybe when I was like four or five years old and I would just like learn about Cambodia through what they recorded, like what they filmed and where they went to. But like, I honestly need to go, I need to go visit myself. I haven't been there ever. I wanted to go last year, but with things with like the pandemic happens, you can't really do anything.
1: Yeah. 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 It's like the whole, uh, the whole area is like under lockdown
2: right Mm -hmm. now. But and then like, but it's been a while since I asked about a lot of stories. But now I do talk about talk to a lot more relatives in Cambodia. Yeah, I have, um, which is which is always great. But like me and I feel like a lot of um, American Asians my age, we're not too fluent in the language, so I can only I can't speak as much as I want to with them. But. So to get there, I, I, I came
1: I came over when, when I was four, so I I, I just speak enough. Like people yeah. call me like I can't read or write, so I'm I'm basically yeah. illiterate. You know, you'd, you'd reference me as an illiterate as mm-hmm. far as the language goes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Tell uh brothers, sisters?
2: Yeah, so I'm the youngest of uh three. Okay. And I have two older sisters. I didn't I have a nephew. And then I don't know if you can hear him, but my dog is walking around in the background. What kind of dog do you got? I got a uh, I got a Labrador. He's like sixteen.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, he's living it
0: up. Yeah, yeah. Right. Thanks. Well, cool, Let's Cody. So, so you grew up in Seattle, and I think specifically South Seattle, SeaTac area. Seattle's one of my favorite places to visit. I just love the ocean, the seafood. A very mm-hmm. diverse city, especially that area where you grew up down in the south. I had a friend that lived down there. Um, what was it like growing up in that in that area, that part of Seattle?
2: Um, It was very diverse, now that I think about it, how how I'm older, because I know a lot back then, a lot of people weren't really pushing diversity in schools until maybe I got to high school, then I was like, and I realized, like, growing up, I went to the same schools with a lot of my friends, and everybody was, like, from different cultures, which I really liked, like, I'm very thankful I never, like, got into any trouble when I was younger, or, like, in my neighborhood areas. So like I've always like kind of, just I like, got by like really easy. I never had to like worry about like things going wrong at school or anything like that. And it's just yeah. nice to, what was that?
1: How old are you again?
2: Uh, I'm 24 now.
1: 24, okay.
2: Yeah. And then um, I just really appreciate the diversity Seattle has. And I think it's great for, to, for other people to know about other people's cultures. And that's how, like, people become more connected. That's what I think.
1: I definitely feel growing up, like, the, the time I came, it was, like, it was hard. Like, I'm, I'm so happy we grew up in a, you know, in a healthier environment. Yeah. Um, we went, we came in the 70s. There's so much, you know, hate and just, you know, mm-hmm. leave our country and calling us out, you know, just horrible names. And yeah. just, you know, a lot of guys getting into fights and you, know, you had to fight to kind of just mm-hmm. get through the day and, you know, like one of our other guests, um, Billy talked about going to high school. Remember Billy? And you yep. get in a fight every day. It's just the norm. Yeah. You know? So that, that's crazy. And so like, yeah, it, it's great and, um, that you're growing up in a, you know, in a time where there, there's a lot more positivity. And I think about that because I got kids who are like, you know, 16 and 13 and mm-hmm. I want them to grow up where there's, you know, I I've never wanted them to grow up the way I grew up, you know, so yeah. Now that the diversity and people are more accepting, yeah, I think that's really
0: cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had a lot of guests on that were from what I would call that first generation, right? They were either children when they came over from Laos, Cambodia, what have you, or maybe born here, right, two, three years after their parents got here. Mm-hmm. And right, co, it's been a recurring theme of gangs, violence, yeah. you yeah. know, dealing, dealing with all that kind of stuff. And, and it's, it's, it's just good to see that, you know, as much as that's going on in our country, right. That we think is bad. I I think a lot's improved since say the, the, the eighties, the nineties, when, when a lot of that was going, a lot of that stuff was going on. Um, so I agree.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, thankfully I grew up and like, I never had like a lot of problems through school, but like, I do have uncles and they're like they're I guess they're kind of part of that first generation like how you said and like they had a lot of rough starts so but like Mm -hmm. me growing up I was around that too but thankfully like it never really affected me negative like in a negative way and like but like I still got to experience like things like that like the gangs and like I got to see that with my own eyes which you know yeah I wasn't a part of it but (laughs) but yeah yeah, good.
1: So t- tell us about high school. Is that is that when you discovered? Were you playing sports, or is that when you discovered wrestling? When um, and like, how did your folks feel when you told them you wanted to become a professional wrestler?
2: Yeah, um, I think because I always watched wrestling when I was little, mm-hmm. and then I think when I got closer to high school and closer to like junior or senior year, they really start pushing college on you, and like you got to go to college, fill out <laughs> this, fill out that write this essay what and like I was like wow this is a lot of work but at the same time that's when I because I fell out of wrestling in middle school and then in high school I started watching it again and I started watching it more and and actually learning and I was like hmm I was like I think this is what I'm about to do because like I didn't have no idea if I went to college what I would have did and I was very afraid of like how expensive college is so I told my counselor I was like I think after high school I'm just gonna go start training somewhere like I'm going to save up money during the summer and find a school and go join the school. Then that's exactly what I did. I graduated in 2015, worked all summer. And then in October, I found a school up in Everett, Washington. I started training, but I didn't tell nobody like anybody. I started training until like a year or two in. And my mm-hmm. parents didn't find out until like two years in. Cause they hate wrestling. Oh. My parents like hate they, wrestling.
1: They don't enjoy watching it.
2: No. My grandma oh. and grandpa and my uncles, like, they were the ones that watched wrestling. Oh, and then okay. I would, like, my parents would drop me off at their house, and I'd get babysit by them. <laughs> and that, that's how I watched wrestling. And, like, my grandparents are the same. Like, they get angry at the TV, and they yell and all that stuff. <laughs> but it's, like, yeah. And so my parents didn't find out until, like, two years later. But it's, like, when I would go, go on shows, I'd tell them, like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. Going to my friend's house for the weekend. I go do the show, come back, oh, and things wow. like that. Yeah, because I just felt like. Also, people like don't really. It's it's way better now, but people don't really like care about wrestling too much, or people because people will say like it's fake, it's phony, but wow. you like that stuff. You know, you're supposed to grow out of it. But I was like, I want to try this. I want to do it. I I'm like, this is what I'm passionate about. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what I want to do if I go to college. So, I've been doing it since I'm I'm 18, and I think things are really starting to pick up. And, like, the ride has been great so far. It's a a struggle, but I'm having a good time,
0: and I enjoy it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so, I I mean, so, tell me what it's like to train to to be a wrestler, because with normal athletics, right, you focus on strength and conditioning, all these things. I'm sure there's parts of it like that, but you're also – acting right you're you're sort of learning two multiple skills so what do you do and how do you train yeah um so a lot of so a lot
2: of the in-ring stuff it's it's really crazy like any type of cardio that i'll try to do can't replicate the kind of cardio that goes on in a ring it's like it's like crazy Mm -hmm. like like i'll do things on the elliptical or i'll try like uh doing stuff like like a hit program or things like that, but it just can't simulate the same as being inside a wrestling ring. Then there's being inside a wrestling ring. There's also things like match film, like studying film and studying, like getting things like to inspire yourself to try to do in wrestling matches and how you can be different. Then a lot of the wrestlers that who are on TV and every time I get to speak with them or ask them for advice, a lot of them are always like, you should take acting class acting lessons or you should look into acting because a lot of times like we have to speak into the microphone or we have to speak into the camera and record like a promo. Yeah. And then like, I, I never want to come off like I'm just reading um, a teleprompter on like if I'm a news broadcaster, like it's hard to put emotion and like feelings into what you say in your promos, but it, and it, at the same time, you have to balance it when like not sounding too like corny or nothing like you have to make it sound real it's like a really hard balance yeah so there's a lot of things that go into a wrestler and like the training for it but it's like it's a huge mental game and it really it's like if you don't work on like these things like cardio film study psychology promos like you're gonna get lapped by the next guy you know because people are working the
1: time where you uh, went to a wrestling school in uh in Atlanta or Georgia
2: yeah so it was in North Cross, Georgia. Um, me and my tag partner and I, Guillermo, we went down to Atlanta. And we wanted to, we joined the Nightmare Factory, which is like a three-month training program. It's usually, it's supposed to be four days a week, like uh, four days a week. But since the holidays were coming up and Christmas was coming up, like we, we had to push it to five so we can end like the week before Christmas.
0: Okay. So it was like five
2: days a week of strength and conditioning uh, for two hours. And then like another two hours was entering. We had like a one-hour break and then we had entering for another two hours.
1: And, and you said sometimes Cody, uh, Cody Rhodes would be there. Cody is, is, is a big part of AEW for those that don't know, but you said mm-hmm. like Cody would show up every now and then.
2: Yeah. Coach Cody was always there. Like, uh, cause their TV schedule is pretty busy, but mm-hmm. if they were close to being in town, like they were always there and they were always watching our drills and telling, giving us drills to do coach Cody and coach uh, QT Marshall who were like, two very important people for AEW.
1: Yeah, very.
2: Um, so it was like great to learn from them and like just pick their brains. And like I, I was saying, like, I wrote, I have like a notebook, my comp book, and it's like my terrible handwriting, but like I wrote down like whatever drill we did, wrestling drill, like, uh-huh. um, you can't really see it on the camera, but I wrote down like everything I lifted, uh-huh. uh, like what we lifted, and then I wrote like what coaches were there. Cause I just want to like, and cause I can't remember anything that I can't remember like every single day there, but if I read what I did that day, yeah, I can remember it.
1: Oh, ju- yeah. Journaling is important. I mean, I journal, uh, when I did competitions, I journal my diet, my training and you to look back at it and learn from it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's part of the, your programs with the clients that you work with, right? Co you, you have them journal their diet, their, their workouts. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I, I do because it kind of, it kind of holds them accountable. You know, it's kind of like it's. Do you follow your diet? Yeah. Well, let me see. You know, <laughs> prove it. Send You know, send it to me.
0: So, yeah.
1: And I find that helps them. It helps them. You know, learn it. It's with anything. If you go, if if your job is a lawyer, you go in. Um, first thing you get into the office, you're gonna look at your agenda, right? And you're gonna have an idea of what you're gonna be doing for the day. And it's the same thing with nutrition. You can't just wake up in the morning, well, I'll, I'll eat this, I'll eat that. It has to be, in a way, uh, documented, you know, it, you got to have a schedule. I'm mm-hmm. planning to eat this at this time. I'm planning to eat this before I train. I'm planning to eat this after I train. So it's, it's very important. But it's funny how, like, I, I coach a lot of business professionals, and, like, they don't see the connection, right? Yeah. And I, have to, I just throw it back at them. Well, what do you do for work when you get there? Oh, you should check my schedule and then this and that. So yeah, you're you're planning out your day. Same thing, planning out, plan out your nutrition. Mm-hmm. Now if you're, you're you're successful in your profession. To be successful with your with nutrition, do the same thing. Same, same yeah. idea.
2: Yeah. And it's like that three month program was was great because like I never worked out like that hard and that consistent. Because I'm not, I'm not like the biggest guy, but like my strength my numbers and strength went up on like all my lifts. Cool. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. What what type of
1: lifts did you have you do and, and then what type of lifts did, did they not want you to do?
2: Um we did a lot of like because it was the by Factor was also with a um was with a uh football facility. Okay. So it was with Chip's Chip, Chip Smith uh, facility who and he runs like the uh, combine drills for the NFL draft. Okay. so the, a lot of the training was kind of like football based like we did a lot of cleans and power cleans like for, yeah. for like explosiveness and then uh leg days like every leg day it was always squats. It wow. was the squats and bench that was pretty much our biggest lift was like power clean squat bench and then yeah that was pretty much it and then we did like a lot of like everything else in between but the, the cleans like i love doing the cleans um it's like I never went really. T- I never went too heavy with it because my form wasn't that great, or like, I was. There's always something wrong with like my form, or like just catching it up here, or catching it like with your wrists. My wrists yeah. are terrible. We did like we're doing front squats, and like the coach, like I was doing them at like with like ten pounds on each side. And I was like, I can't do it like with my my wrists. But then the coach, Coach Ian, our strength coach, was just like. We'll hold it this way and put it here, set it here, and it, and then the bar felt like nothing. And I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" Like this is the oh. real technique to it.
1: They don't allow you to wear like wrist support.
2: Oh, they did. They did.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Throw Throw in some bicep exercises because on your signature pose, you, you do this right, You're yeah. flexing your bicep, man. So make it make it pop out, man. Yeah.
2: You gotta do it. No. Oh, so. uh, uh, yeah. I really got to up the I got up the arm workouts. I gotta up every workout. I gotta help every workout. I I can I can help you with
1: biceps, man. That's one of my uh one of my better phys- body better body parts. So definitely
2: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, but I really like because I'm really thankful I did that. The strength and conditioning was like was great because um I didn't know I could like lift that heavy or lift that much, but like the coaches were like he was just like at one point I was like squatting like 185 and. It, and like I thought that was kind of like challenging. And then he looked at my form and he, he was like, you know, you can squat like more than this. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I was like, you think so? And then like the next upcoming days, like we were doing squats and he was like, he's like, uh, everybody start at whatever weight, but Cody, you start at 225. I'd be like, what the fuck? But yeah. I would I would do it. But then I'd be like, whoa. And then one day, like we did our like, we did like um, two two reps. And you you hit two reps on squat and then you wait two minutes. Okay. And then you add more. And then like I always get yelled at for not having enough weight on. And I told my lifting partner, I was like, put whatever weight on. Like I'm not trying to <laughs> I'm not trying to get yelled at. So I'll squat, I'll look away, you put whatever weight on, and then when two minutes is up, I'll hit my squat. I got up to like three, three forty-five for two, like no belt. Wow. Man, and I was like, wow. whoa. Yeah, from one eighty-five, huh? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, wow. That's I didn't awesome. like. I was like, "Whoa, that was crazy!" And then we had like days where you have to do like, um, we had to hit like two sets of twenty, at like some way, and I had to do it at like two sets of like two sets of twenty at like two seventy five or something like that. Like it was crazy, but it's like, but I ended up doing it, and it's like trained like my mental, like my mental state, like woke up. I was like, "I can do this. I just have to put the effort in and try." So I was like, that weightlifting program like really helped change, like really changed a lot. Like going down to Atlanta really changed a lot, like for me as a wrestler and for me as a person.
1: Now, is that something you can do like a- a- every few months or a- every year or uh, how often can you do this?
2: So I joined that one for three months and it's, it's kind of built, built as like a, a kind of like an intro program to wrestling, but but in my class, like I've been wrestling for like five years. There's a lot of people uh, with different backgrounds. Like people are just starting. Some people had like one or two, and some people also had five. It was just a three-month program, um, but there's a lot of uh, different programs around. Now, but... are, are they are they putting
1: up your boarding and food and all that? Do they take care of that for you. You got to take care of that by yourself.
2: We got to take care of that ourselves. So it was, it was it was a struggle, but luckily, like I saved up a lot. Yeah. Saved up a lot of money, like just throughout my whole life. Like I've been working since I was like 15. So I've always like saved money. And okay. I, was like, I was like three months in Atlanta. I was like, okay, I can do it. I was like, and I'm gonna take the chance to go go out there and try. Yeah. Because no yeah. one's gonna find me if I just like sit on the couch. I uh-huh. gotta go out there and show Well, them. who who
1: was your uh, main influence as a wrestler that you tailor your, your
2: wrestling style to and who maybe you tailor your your mic skills to? oh mic skills i still have yet to find out i'm not the greatest on the mic and i think like that is a work in progress but also my wrestling is a work in progress but people like that i really inspired by is like brandy yorton huge fan yeah huge fan i do love um i love watching the rock because i always watched him when i was little and now that i go back and i rewatch his stuff i'm like wow this, this guy is like great now that i like can see like Different things to the naked eye. I'm like, this is like the details are crazy, but and then like, so Rob uh, Rob Van Dam was like, okay. oh. and he, like his high flying stuff was always great to watch as a kid. Like him and Jeff Hardy. I'm like, man, I want to be a high flyer. And then I learned like, no, nah, I don't want to be a high flyer. This hurts. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna stay on the ground. So I guess I'm more of like a technical style which is it's like very hard to replicate on tv on tv style wrestling but on these like independent shows like you can have the freedom to kind of do like your style of match and i always try to do like a technical style and just stick to the techniques i'm a really like basic dude i love the basics and you can never do the basics enough in any sport what what
1: what is your what is your finishing move
2: and we'll for finish. people that
1: for people and for people that for people listening that don't know the finishing move is like, uh, how, how would you describe it as like, it's it, it's it's your signature move that you finish yeah. and where you win where you would win most of your time, your your matches.
2: Yeah, like yeah. the main move to win the match. So like speaking of Randy Orton, I do do it's called like his RKO or it's okay. in wrestling terms it's called a cutter. Okay. But yeah, yeah. I would do it jumping backwards from the second rope wow From the, it's it's like uh you, you know it's kind of one of those things you just need to see yeah but uh it's a great move and I always have fun doing it and it always gets a great reaction
1: nice nice tell yeah. so us about now you're in ROH Ring of honor wrestling
2: I, I had one match for them yeah
1: okay so what what is the name of your school or like what what uh what is the name of your uh, federation or organization
2: gotcha so right now i'm like i'm currently unsigned so i just kind of like if independent small shows happen and then they try to like they book you to come uh, wrestle for a match like that's how i usually operate like i'm working i'm trying to gain a full-time contract with like either big company there's, there's like new japan okay it's got AE, AEW now wwe impact like these are like the big major companies that have tv that sign guys to full-time deals so like i'm trying to grind my way and work my way for one so now
1: you recently had a dark match uh at adw AEW, correct and for mm-hmm. people not understanding dark match is like almost a tryout where it's not it's dark because it's not televised it's that but you get a few matches going on before the, the live show starts so yeah you had a mm-hmm. dark match for AEW. how long yeah ago?
2: I actually was there earlier this month.
1: Oh, wow. Dang.
2: Yeah. And then, like, what? the the way they do dark is, like, it's, like, a showcase for some of the guys that, uh some of their guys that don't get on, get on TV yet. But it's also, mm-hmm. like, a way for them to see us. And I think yeah. it went great. I think it went great. I didn't get the victory. But I think it went great. And I had a good time there at AEW. And I've done a few dark matches for them. Awesome. Um, so I've had, like, Three so far, okay. And then, but it's like I've always had a great time. And the first time I did Dark for them back in 2020, December 2020, that's when they uploaded the match to YouTube. And that's when like Cambodia found the match and just took off. Wow, yeah. So it's like one of the matches has like 40,000 views. Um. Which is probably because it's AEW and it's their YouTube channel, but like in yeah. the comments, it's just like all like my writing or like oh, Cambodian flags, yeah. And then that's like good.
1: I mean, that, that had to make you feel you know fantastic of having you there's the you know the support of your own you know fellow
2: countrymen. It was crazy. um because, like, my phone was blowing up and, like, my socials were going off. Like, I had uh, so many cam- new Cambodian followers. People were talking to my parents, like, from Cambodia about it. Wow. And, like, there was, like, news articles. I don't... I'm not sure, like, if it got on the actual my TV news, but, like, well, there's a lot of people reporting about it. Um, just because I had, like, a, a quick five-minute match there. I was like, yeah, wow, yeah. this this is insane. And then... um, It's just insane, like, how... Like, I didn't know wrestling was that big in Cambodia or even if it isn't. I did not know. I way. think
1: just like professional athletics and you being in the States, you know, you and, and being, you know, your family being from there had to, had to make them proud. Mm-hmm. So.
0: So do you get to represent the culture in your character or, I, I, or any of the characters that you can be? Would that be an option for you? I would love to be. I would love to try to have a
2: character like that. but currently like, the character i am it's like um it's usually just kind of like myself as a character which is kind of weird to describe but <laughs> but like on on my gear that i wear in the ring i have like the anchor Wat temple on my on my pants and then i have like the and usually have like my colors, so which is red blue and white and a lot of people like will see me wrestle for the first time and then they just come come up to me after the match They go, I know you're Cambodian because you have the Anchor Wat on your pants or you have like the colors and you, you, and they're like, but are you Chinese? Cause I'm, I'm actually really like, my skin tone is very light for a Cambodian uh, person. So a lot of people think I'm Chinese, <laughs> but I tell everyone I'm, I'm Cambodian.
0: Yeah. Now I saw, do you have any Chinese ancestry? Because a lot of the Cambodian Americans I know have Chinese ancestry because they Mm -hmm. a lot of them were merchants and things and educated people and that's exactly who the khmer rouge targeted yeah you know for extermination and they were forced out so i don't know if you have any chinese ancestry or do you know
2: i i actually i believe my dad is full chinese um because i think he was born in china but then they moved to cambodia at a very young age and then my dad
0: grew up there yeah, that, that seems to be very common among yeah. the Cambodian-American. I'm from California, and it, it seems to be very common. Uh, yeah. For a lot his, of, yeah.
2: and, like my name is
0: like, my last name is C-H-H-U-N.
2: And then for the longest time, I had no idea why I have two H's. And then found out my dad was like Chinese. And then my baseball coach was like, are you Chinese? I was like, no. Nah. He was like, well, a lot of Chinese people have like two H's in their last name it's like it's like a chinese thing i was like oh well that makes a lot of sense now but uh, like a lot of people will pronounce it like chahan or like chun i'm like
0: I'm like the, the h the second h don't mean is silent <laughs> <laughs> well it it i don't know if you guys my wife's into playing wordle that make a great wordle nobody would get it so it's, it's yeah. you have five letters and you have to guess the word co so you should try it um, what was the name of it again it's what? called wordle and Chun oh, with two H's would would yeah. probably stump the entire country if they yeah. decide to go with go with that.
1: Well, yeah, um, I mean I, i've 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 only seen I'll see Chun as C H U N or Chun, Chung as C H U N G, and even my last name Chan is C H A N. So yeah, I've, I've never really seen like two H's. So man, but yeah. that, that's what makes you stand out, you know. I mean that that's that that would be your, you know, like. uh you know, what sets you apart from people, and then, then that's how you break through in wrestling. You gotta have you gotta have your niche, and you gotta be different. Yeah, I think you can. you, know, you definitely have that. You
0: know. Yeah. How do yeah. you get promoted? Because obviously, something like MMA, right? Whoever wins moves on. Yeah. In this, do they do they just look at you all everything you bring to the table from your athleticism to your character to your fans? I mean, what is it that makes them want to promote you? Let's say.
2: I think. Uh, like before before the match starts i think it's like uh how you're like are you active on your socials um how is your physique because it is it is a body business and like people like if you're on tv people expect to see like these larger than life athletes and then but you have to back it up once the bell rings that's like a famous saying it's like you can bring all these things to the table promo looks charisma but then and then the bell rings like you got to back all that up with your in-ring work and it's like wrestling it's like the way you prove yourself in the wrestling ring it's like can you keep up can you um because it's can you like have a great match can you play your role can you work the crowd so it's a lot of different factors but the, the biggest thing in wrestling is like i'm only as good as my opponent makes me and vice versa so it's like if like if you make them look great or vice versa, like that usually helps most of the time. Just play your role. And like everybody, everybody goes out there and expects to have like a 25 minute five-star match. But sometimes like, like that's not the hand you're dealt and you just got to play with what you got and like make the best out of it, which I think a lot of people don't like really understand uh, that much, but like once you like learn like what your role is in wrestling or for the show, Play your role, and if you did it right, like the promoter will tell you, and the fans will let you know too if they're watching. And if the match is bad, they gonna boo, or they're just not gonna pay attention to you.
1: Yeah. Tell us about who you
2: enjoyed wrestling
1: with. I think I I think I saw you on a YouTube. There's a match that you wrestled with Christopher Daniels, very well known. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: very well Kurt, known. Curry,
1: Curry man, I like the yes. name Curry man. Yes. <laughs>
2: He was carry man. <laughs> that, that was crazy to me because like in the 2000s or late like 2005 and on, that's when I found out about Christopher Daniels and TNA. Uh-huh. And then, so it's like really weird to like 10 years later, you're standing across the ring from him. And like, he's a pro, like nothing phases him. So that, that match is insane. And like, it took place in Seattle. And like, I remember the building was like over a hundred degrees. Like it was like super hot in there. and We were first match and the crowd was going crazy. But it's like, it was like, I think that was the loudest match I've ever been in because I couldn't hear myself talk or I couldn't hear myself think. And I was like, damn, and I'm wrestling Christopher Daniels? Like, this is crazy.
1: How, but, how was, how was he to you? Was he cool to you backstage? Was he cool? Was he cool to you in the ring or was, it, how did you guys like, how did you connect with him?
2: Yeah, he was, uh, at first, like he was just kind of like talking to me like very like uh-huh, uh-huh, okay yeah, but then after we wrestled the match and then like like basically like I kept up with him yeah in the match he he like opened up and he was like telling me like these like bits of advice and like he was super cool with me cool. and like and like I still see him um, kind of on a regular basis now I guess I've seen him like a few times in the past like two months and he's he he remembers me which is like which is, like, the best compliment you can get.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
2: know, the people who know you by name and will address you by name and make sure, like, everything's good with you. Like, that's the best thing right there.
1: Yeah. I mean, for, for the people watching, Christopher Daniels, like, he's been around, like, like Cody says, from 2005. He's pretty much a legend um, uh, from TNA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in New Japan, he wrestled as Curry Man, had this costume yeah. and mask. Because... Because usually uh, Japan doesn't really like to; the, they almost didn't want him to show his face, right? They almost wanted yeah. wanted people to think that he was Japanese, so he wore a mask and a
2: costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Like those; those are great characters to play as, or like to wrestle under. And yeah. I like how the mantle of Krayman, like, gets passed down. Like, like people who in masks who wear masks, like that legacy gets passed down. But That's it's very
0: cool. hard to wrestle in the mask. <laughs> It's very hard. Yeah, I bet. So, Cody, what what do you think's next for you? Where are you planning on going from here, and what's the future hold? Mm, to be honest, I I don't
2: know. I'm I do think like this is like probably the best streak of my career I've had because um, I just got back from like a three month stint in Atlanta where I was training out of school down there. Came back to Seattle, and I've had like matches every weekend. Uh, Which is great. Like, to stay busy in wrestling is great. Because, like, the more busy you are, the more eyes on you, the more opportunity for, like, great matches to have. Like, I really just want to keep building up, like, my resume here on, like, the independent scene. Like, the more I can build up my resume, the more, like, and, like, the more matches I can have with different people and more networking, I just want to try to, like, stay busy. And if I keep staying busy, I hope one of these big-time companies can, like... Put some, get some talks with me or things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and I can, mean, I, I, I can see you in AEW. You know, um, and you, you already done dark matches for them. You know, so would you have a preference? Uh, who, who to work for? AEW, WWE, TNA. <laughs> um,
2: I, I won't say my preference, but, uh, but I would say, you know, like pretty much whoever comes first, I would yeah. like to go there because like if I ever got an offer anywhere, like I'm, that's, that's a lot to like to be thankful about. It's so like yep. get a full-time offer and just focus on wrestling full-time. Like I would be super thankful for that, but I'm not, as for preferences, I'm not really like too sure I have any super specifics because it's all about like how, like what's the plan for me there and like how I would fit in or not fit in, but, how would I stand out on, on the program?
1: Do you have something, someone to work with you, like as like an agent who, you know, uh, talks to, uh, talks to other companies for you, or is that something you you all got to do on your own?
2: I think in wrestling, a lot of us do it on our own because um, I'd say wrestling now, like the independent scene is like, it got uh, like a boom, wrestling boomed in like 2015, 16 with the independent scene and people are so i think there's not like a lot of like things like agents for us yeah and it's because because it's like kind of hard to find someone who who understands like the same struggle like our us independent wrestlers go through and like how it works so a lot of us usually just like handle everything on our own like so i'm always like checking my emails for things or checking my socials which is why like i'm not really i don't really go on twitter or instagram as much but it's like with wrestling, I kind of have to, because it's part of the job. Uh-huh. Are you on Facebook as well? Uh, Facebook. I kind of, I don't usually post a lot of wrestling. I just kind of have that like for like friends and family. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's great. You know, that's great. I, you know, keep at it. You know, I think eventually your time will come You know, as Hopefully. with, as with anything. Right. Yeah. So, what advice can you give to, you know, an up and up and coming youngster? I don't know. I, you know, again, like we don't have really a lot of athletes coming out of Southeast Asia, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, one person in this, one person in that, but I don't know, what what kind of advice would you, you know, give to a kid, uh, you know, maybe 12, 13 years old that has, has a dream of, you know, let's say, let's say he wants to, he wants to be, you know, The next rock.
2: Mm -hmm. I would say, like, if someone who wants to get into wrestling and they're they're about like young, like that age, I would say, or at any age, start learning about how diet works and like how nutrition works for your body, Mm -hmm. and start working out and start what and watch old wrestling, like, because the new wrestling stuff that's going on right now is great but everybody's watching the wrestling from the 80s the 70s to see what new things they could pop up because what's old is new again. So that's where everyone's like watching film on. And like to go off what you said, like it's true there's not a lot of Southeast Asian athletes. And then because I know in wrestling, I personally only know three other Cambodian wrestlers. Okay. And I was like, wow, there's not a lot of us. I think I know maybe one Vietnamese wrestler and he's on the other side of the states yeah but because i think but i think people need to just like do something that they're passionate about because like i didn't go to college and i feel like it's it's like kind of more like accepted to well if you don't know what you want to do in college you don't have to go like you go to a trade school or just pursue what you want to do so like right off the bat i just knew i wanted to do this and i went and i think people need to have just like confident confidence in themselves and like put it out in the world like I believe in myself. I think I can do this or not think, but I, I will do this. And like people just need to build up confidence and just take risks because you never know if you don't try.
1: Well, you know, we're, we're definitely cheering for you. I mean, thank when you. I first saw your your Instagram and uh, I was like, man, this guy works. You know, I was watching some of your matches. Like I said, I watched that match with, Chris, with Christopher Daniels. And I'm like, we're cheering for you, man. So
0: thank you. Thank you. It's a struggle. Yeah, it's exactly why we have this podcast. Not that we're telling people not to go to college, but what we're trying to do is really inspire people because every athlete we had on, right, um, has bucked the trend or went against the advice, in some cases, their family, parents, whatever, Mm -hmm. to chase their dreams. Yeah. and, And funnel all their energy into something that's positive, but maybe, you know, not a sure thing, right? If you go to college, get an engineering degree, you get a job, right, et cetera, et cetera. What mm-hmm. you're doing is, there's no guarantee, you gotta chase it because you love it, and, yeah. and it's your passion, and that's inspiring. And, and that's why we're happy to talk to you today. Yeah. Thank so you, Cody, thank you. Where, yeah, where can people follow you? How can they keep up with your career? Um, so
2: Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, it's all under the same username, it's at Classic Chun. So classic, just spelled classic, and then Chun, C-H-H-U-N. Um, yeah, I I don't really use Facebook. Uh, maybe if I get a little bit more buzz, I'll have like a Facebook fan page. But I just don't have things to post on Facebook that much.
0: Well, here's just, what my kids tell me that you know they're all on IG because they're younger, and uh, our generation isn't on Facebook. So <laughs> <laughs> depends who yeah, your target audience is. Real
1: <laughs> real, quick, real quick, Cody, how did you get uh, the the nickname Classic Classic Cody Chunn?
2: Gotcha. So classic uh, came from my trainer, and uh, he passed in 2017. So it's been a few years now. Mm -hmm. But every time we would run drills, I would mess up something very like simple, Mm -hmm. and then they would laugh. And you know when people make jokes, they're always like, "Ah, classic." (laughs) So that's how my name came. Was like I would mess something up, and they're like, "There's classic Chun." And then eventually, like, people just started calling me that, and then at one show, I was just like, yeah, call me Classic, or, like, call me, like, put, do have, they're like, do you have a nickname? I was like, yeah, yeah, just put Classic, which I was very happy, like, I really liked the name, because, like, in middle school, I watched a lot of UFC, and the big guys at the time were, like, Rampage Jackson and Shogun Hua, which I thought, like, two two badass nicknames, and, like, they have first names, like, Quentin and mauricio but like no one calls them those names they call them like their nicknames so like i was like man i always wanted a nickname and then by that way i got classic so now people just call me classic all the time which is my that's corporate. cool
1: yeah that's cool i mean and it's something to honor yeah you know, to honor your uh your, your old trainer too you know?
2: yeah 100 so. percent awesome
0: well great well cody we appreciate you coming on the show um thanks and wish you the best of luck in the future Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, having thank,
1: me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. That's awesome. We wish you all the best.
0: Thank you. The C4 Podcast is brought to you by the Lao American Sports Hall of Fame. Visit us on the web at laoamericansports.com, Celebrating the first, inspiring the next.